I'm Simon Hartzell, and this is NAI Global's Diving Into Commercial Real Estate. Thank you for joining us for another episode of NAI's Diving Into Commercial Real Estate. With us today is our sponsor, Rethink CRM, and the CEO of Rethink CRM, VJ Mara. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me today, Simon. So tell us a little bit about Rethink CRM, your background, the organization's background, and how this can benefit the real estate community. Sure, absolutely. So I started Rethink CRM out of a small apartment in New York City about 10 years ago after working in commercial real estate and finding it extremely difficult to manage data, manage my pipeline, and, and all the other attributes to, to running commercial real estate. And so I set off and partnered up with uh, Salesforce.com and created a commercial real estate-specific application built on top of their platform. Uh, and so today we've grown the business quite a bit. Uh, we have hundreds of brokerages across the country and even globally using Rethink today to manage their business. Um, we manage everything from contact relationship all the way to, uh, to prospecting, deal management, uh, all the way throughout commission and payout of a deal. And so we literally can manage every aspect of a commercial broker's business within Rethink. Uh, and what's even nicer about it is we get to leverage the power of Salesforce.com's platform. So we've got the most innovative uh, technology powering us. Uh, it's scalable, so it can work for a single broker all the way through uh, thousands of brokerages and larger enterprise uh, organizations. Yeah, that's amazing. That's awesome to have the the, the capability to bring a client's clients, if I can use that, that that phrase, but bring them up to an elevated level to, to help organize themselves and be more efficient. Question I have, Absolutely. Jay, where, 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 what's the footprint of your, your organization? Where do you guys cover area-wise? Sure, so we are based in Austin, Texas, and so everything that happens happens here in Austin. Uh, we've got our sales and marketing team, our client success team who ensures the success of every one of our clients, all the way to uh, product and engineering who helps uh, us take innovation and ideas from our clients and put it back into uh, into our product roadmap. Perfect. And and nationwide, global, all the above? Oh, absolutely. So our clients are uh, are global. So we have clients in California all the way to New York and everything in between. Uh, and then we have clients in Australia, we have clients in the UK, uh, Southeast Asia. Um, and so it's, again, because, uh, we, because we're built on the Salesforce platform, we can easily translate to any language, any currency, um, and, uh, and it's a very flexible platform, meaning we can adopt just about any business process and any brokerages process, uh, which, uh, you know, which is one of the big reasons our clients love us. That's perfect, yeah, and a business that's, gone global already, it's, it's nice to have a company like yourself to help complement and, and work well with, with with their organization. Who do you find Absolutely. is your, your ideal ideal client for your, your product or service? Sure. So we, we used to see a big trend with uh, smaller smaller teams, anywhere from one to, let's say, four brokers. Uh, and the tool works great for, for that sort of uh, size teams, 
But we've seen, we've sort of found our sweet spot in what we call our mid-market, uh, anywhere from, let's say, 10 to about 100 brokerages, or 10 to 100 brokers, rather. And uh, the reason for that is because these are the teams that can really take advantage of each other's data. They can really set up a system and tool that's going to help drive their business forward and gain the visibility and insight into metrics and data to help them analyze how they want to move their business and how they want to strategically uh, position their business, whether it's in a particular market, particular set of markets, uh, and so forth. And so, um, you know, it's, it's not it's not so much a, a one size fits, or I'm sorry, it's not so much a, this is all we're tackling, but we've seemed to find our sweet spot again within that 10 to, 10 to 100 broker uh, uh, team size, or broker size rather. Perfect. And And last question, how does someone listening to this episode of of the podcast get a hold of you or your organization? Absolutely. So if anyone is interested in reaching out to me directly, they can reach me uh, via email at vijay at rethinkcrm.com. Uh, alternatively, they can send an email directly to our sales team. That's sales at rethinkcrm.com. Awesome. Thanks again for your time, VJ, and interesting to learn more about Rethink CRM. Thank you again for being our sponsor. Thanks again for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of NAI Global's Diving into Commercial Real Estate. Today's episode is all about data, and we're very fortunate to have a guest with us today, a gentleman by the name of Steve Couts with a firm called Reese. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Simon. Glad to be here. Great. Steve's background, Steve, if you don't mind, I'm going to share with our audience here. Senior Vice President of Sales at Reese, which is a commercial real estate data and analytics company. Steve has over 25 years' experience in operations, sales, sales management, and research management within the commercial real estate space. Steve has over 25 years of experience in operations, sales, sales management, and research management within the commercial real estate space. His strengths are with team building, decision making, improved efficiencies, and revenue generation. I'd like to thank Steve for joining us today. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Simon. Uh, look forward to chatting with you. Great. Can you, can you, we're going to jump right in. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, your experience over the 25 years. Sure. Um, it's been quite a run. I'm a big believer that everything you do leads to the next thing you do. And uh, I would say I think I've been in this space, I think, 28 years now, um, either commercial real estate information, research, sales, or, or analytics in some way, shape, or form. Um, I actually started in the early 90s. I was a broker in Boston um, for several years, and then I started my own company, which was the first MLS for commercial real estate in Boston called the Boston Commercial Real Estate Network. And I grew that for um, several years. I had about 100 or so uh, customers in that market. This is before the likes of Realty Information Group and CoStar came online. Um, in mid uh, 1995 or thereabouts, I actually folded my company into um, Realty Information Group, which was later uh, went public as, as CoStar. And then over the next seven years, I think I was probably the 
28th employee uh, of CoStar at the time. Um, and over the next seven years, I ran sales for them uh, and helped them open up new markets. Um, they went from, you know, about three or four markets, D.C., New York, Metro, to about 50-plus markets um, during the seven years that I was there. Uh, and then post-dot-com uh, uh, bust, so to speak, I moved on. Um, I, got, I went back into brokerage for a couple more years. Um, and then when my commercial real estate information uh, non-compete burnt off um, related to CoStar, I worked with Reese on a special project uh, developing a portfolio evaluation credit risk tool that they developed for lenders. And then the next 10 years, I actually went from being on the vendor side to being a user of services. I spent 10 years as the national director of research for Savile Studley. Um, the fun thing about that is I literally had access to dozens and dozens of commercial real estate information platforms, business information platforms, GIS type platforms, and I was kind of a, I was just enjoying being able to just pick and choose from the best of the best of for the various projects. Um, after that 10-year period, I was recruited to run sales for Excelligent for a short period of time. As we all know, they um, ran out of funding. Um, that's so long ago, and uh, so I actually left before they actually closed their doors and uh, took a little time off, and then um, I was back at Reese. Reese was looking for someone to run new business sales, someone who had experience in commercial real estate information and knew, underst- you know, understood how to apply their analytics to the greater picture, and uh, now here I am. That's awesome. And, and, and being so versed in the last 25 years, how have you seen – information and the commercial real estate industry kind of transition over that 25-year period? Uh, it's actually been pretty amazing uh, to watch and be a part of. Um, as you as you know, pre-early 90s, um, it was a matter of who has the most information, who has the know, who knows where the listings are, who knows where the buildings are, they're for sale. Information was shared in kind of archaic manners based on, you know, calling or faxing back and forth. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons why I developed the Boston Commercial Real Estate Network. It was to develop a more efficient way for the, at least the Boston real estate community to start sharing information. So in the mid-90s, you saw um, kind of this concept of listing clearinghouses um, uh, emerge. Um, companies like Realty Information Group, later known as CoStar, Black Sky, New Jersey, and several of the markets relocate in Boston and New York, and then like RE Source in Chicago. So there were several of these uh call it centralized research organizations that saw that if there was a one call in, one call out to the market, it could create efficiencies for all the players in the market. Um, so that process began. Initially, the publications were via books. The, the, uh, um, the Cornerstone, Black Sky, Yale Robbins books, things like that were on the shelves of every real estate professional. Um, and again, the uh, the flow of information was primarily um, or at least the, the, the efficiencies were brought to primarily the sharing of building information and listings data. At the same time that this um, kind of the sharing of basic listings for sale data was going online, uh, Reese had been actually since 1980 <clears throat> surveying various markets to um, understand the analytic component, understand market fundamental trends and uh, forecasts in, in light of economic and demographic data. But primarily, they were, Reese was focused on serving the lender lending community to determine whether or not um, they were going to loan on a given property and things like that. So that was kind of going on behind the scenes, and it wasn't immediately apparent to most of the other players in the space that they even existed. Um, and then, uh, again, uh, listing service pro- uh, progressed 1995 to about 2003 or so. Um, these proactive listing services uh, moved from different delivery mechanisms. I mean, originally it was like disk updates and CD-ROMs, and then they went online as the speeds improved. 
And uh, at the same time, which is interesting, is there was also um, a, uh, a concern by the industry that third-party information providers, particularly listing services, were going to dominate the market. Actually, the, the fact is is that many of the largest players in the country um, gave up or handed over their historical databases uh, to, to um, CoStar uh, in the in the mid to, to late 90s. So proprietary data was, was really not something that was maintained anymore by research departments, and it was becoming a little troubling to the industry. So there was this concept um, uh, that – uh, if there was a local MLS participation, basically brokers could get together and share information, maybe that was an alternative way to go. So platforms like Excelligent um, emerged, which were, were kind of like technology platforms for brokers in various markets to share information, and dozens and dozens of others. Well, what ended up happening is post.com um, kind of bust. Many of these players um, left or failed because uh, they really didn't, weren't funded properly or able to make enough money. And what remained were those firms that were – focused on proactive research, um, CoStar, Reese, Real Capital Analytics, and the like. And then um, as we move – go ahead. Question? Sorry, sorry. No, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's interesting to hear kind of that transition from from early days of data and, and how industry professionals, agents, brokers, and other, other people in, in different lines of the business have – kind of progressed from this data that's been collected year over year over year, how have you found the the processes or, or methodologies to, to work most efficiently and, and, and benefit the user? That's a good question. I mean, there's this, again, back to the concept of, of shared listing services or MLS. Will MLS work for commercial real estate, right? And What's happening, what we've experienced over the many years is that um, brokers don't like to update information, right? So if you have listing services that are kind of shared services, there tends to be holes in the data. There tends to be, you know, as you know, you know, you might show a, a tenant uh, six of, of six opportunities, but if there's three or four that you don't know about, that's enough to lose the deal. Um, same thing with properties for sale and things like that. So voluntary listing services just weren't cutting it and haven't cut it over, over the many, many years. So those that survived were ones which actually made the investment in um, – in research headcount so that they could actually do proactive research, um, calling on all the building owners, contacts, property managers, you name it, tenants, in order to build those databases. And those are ultimately the, those that have survived. In addition to that, those same um, information providers had to uh, go from just tracking core four, or, you know, office industrial initially to office industrial department retail and then expanding that further. So um, they also had to, to expand into other sectors, and we, we saw that over time. So it's really the key thing is really proactive research, proprietary data sets, um, and ultimately continuing to expand services to create efficiencies for the market. So I'm curious, just based on, on your opinion, why hasn't, a true MLS, or, or, or I, I, I guess comparing it to the residential field, which is a completely different animal. Why, a re, why an MLS has never really caught on, or is it called something else, which we obviously know of today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think again, I think if you if we if we had full information, we probably would have seen about a hundred different firms that attempted attempted this for the commercial real estate space, and you know the residentials. Um, 
space is different in that local MLSs can make can make it a requirement to post listings, make it a requirement to to make sure the information is uh, cleansed, purged, and removed in a timely fashion, things like that. Um, as it relates to a commercial MLS concept, it's, it's tough to get all the everybody in the same room to agree to the rules of the game. Um, so there tends to be uh, limited participation or not complete participation, and understanding all available uh, data or data points is critical. The other thing is you have a, a, a challenges of old data or, or moldy data, so to speak, um, lingering in the site. So then, the, then uh, users tend to uh, go there less and less frequently. And, and then a, a larger problem is that listings are part of the game, but understanding and putting a property, a space, or a building for sale in the context to the market, market trends. You know, how, how is this building priced relative to the market historically or, or currently? And unless you have a complete inventory and, and call it surveying of the marketplace, you cannot build reliable market statistics. So ultimately what Reese was founded on, the founding principles, is that we're going to track data in the same way, for the same, based on the same criteria across all sectors, across all markets. So that it allows users to understand historical trends, forecasts, and benchmarking um, across sectors, across markets, across submarkets. Um, and you can't get that from a uh, just a posting or a listing service. So there's multiple reasons why it hasn't succeeded in the past. To say that it will never happen, no, I think ultimately that I think the direction in the market is, is in fact we'll see more and more listing data and building data available via Google search. But so what's going to be lacking is the ability to really put the current opportunity in context to market trends and, and the direction of markets. Interesting. Well, let's talk, let's talk current. Let's, let's take a look at the now and and how does one a user a broker or industry professional in the commercial real estate space differentiate or choose between information providers that are out there uh, uh, very good question i mean it it's it really first first question for that we you know discuss with our team and any any and and talking with any um member of the real estate community is that what's your specialty right i mean are you are you a landlord, rep, broker, investment, sales, asset management, portfolio management, corporate services? You know, what's, what's, what, 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 what is your specialty? What um, do, you, do you profess to be an expert at? That's the first question. The second is, is what are the, based off of your clients, what are the client demands and what are their expectations? If the client demands are, let's, let's, let's take tenant rep, for example. If the, the, the client demand is simply show me the spaces that are available, take me out on a tour, and negotiate my lease. Uh, and I don't, I'm not asking exactly how, understand, well, I don't want to understand, I don't need to understand how much negotiation power I, I have, how long my lease should be, where are we in the market cycle, those types of things. Okay, fine, a listing service is fine. Or on a landlord rep basis, um, if you're representing a landlord, if it's good enough just to know, um, you know, who, what other blocks of space are available that compete with mine, all well and good. But if you want to understand how, the, the the market sub market is changing. How much leverage I have with, with my my tenants and things like that. It's a different story. So it all comes down to client expectations and whether or not the real estate professional um, feels obligated to up their game um, and go beyond just the basics of po you know posting it online or putting a sign out in front and wants to provide some um, advice or or, or, or uh, context to. Um, to to their client, so it's it's just a matter of of how how sophisticated they are. And the other challenge too is is most small medium sized shops uh, out there don't have their research um, uh, teams or, or personnel 
to compete with some of the larger firms. So that becomes a challenge as well. And then it's a matter of, well, are you up against some of the larger players in your market who have um, resources, uh, manpower resources in the research area? Then what tools can I tap into that can help me compete? That's a great point. We'll we'll come back to that in a little bit here because I think you you kind of you, you brought up a great topic, which is brokerage size and capabilities and capital, and we'll we'll come back to that. So, great points in regards to kind of current. Where, if you had a crystal ball, where do you see the the development of data and analytics over the next year, five years, ten years within our business? And it's, of course, very subjective. Yeah. Um, again, well, first of all, we've seen the kind of the way information is delivered and the speed at which it's delivered and the comprehensiveness in which it's been delivered, you know, over time change, um, you know, from books to online to web. And, and ultimately, we're seeing more and more um uh, demand for kind of custom data integration into models that might be developed by firms or API integration of our data and things like that. So the way the data is being delivered is is changing um, uh, quite a bit. Um, now, what what do we see going forward? Ultimately, we're seeing a whole nother chapter in you know CRE tech, fintech, dot com type tech players come to the market that want to create or think they can find a niche where they can create efficiencies, workflow, um, deliver some types of tools that are going to improve the game for the commercial real estate professional. It's in it's, – it's my – go ahead, question. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah, I was at a conference not too long ago where there were a, a, a presenter showing a slide of all the tech companies in the commercial real estate space, and they could barely <laughs> fit it on the slide. There's There's so many. Maybe can you comment on on the number of startups that you've seen, or how competitive is that space, and how quickly is it changing? Yeah, it, it's again. There's a lot of money being thrown at this space. Obviously, the real estate industry is a huge asset class. Everyone sees it as a as a great opportunity uh, to invest in. And I would I would I would say there's hundreds. We've we've actually in many cases we have. Um, Startups that are that are, have created a, a, a slick platform or analysis platform, but what they need and what almost all of these need is some type of data to make it work. Um, and the data can be provided either by the end user, and typically the end user has pretty good de- detail on the, the property opportunity or whatever they're looking to anal- analyze. But um, the other thing is they, they require some level of context and putting the property in context. So uh, these many many of these firms have reached out to us to see whether or not they can tap into our data historical, forecast, current, uh, market fundamental trends, et cetera, uh, into their platforms to kind of make them work. And it's my opinion that you, that you have – I mean, we've seen cases there's, – there's an argument and there's some in the, in, the, in the information space that believe that all information that's meaningful to the CRE industry is already publicly available. And if you create the tools and the search engines and the scrape engines to pull that data and aggregate it efficiently – then you have everything you need. Um, I'm, I'm not a big believer in that. I, th- I think the whole if, if the data is not collected in a standardized format over time, um, then it's essentially meaningless. Trends become meaningless and things like that. So, I think ultimately the players that are going to um, add value and survive are going to be those that are willing to and, and engage and link up with with firms that have a historical and proprietary data sets that they can plug into. 
and then those that can actually truly add value in whether it's you know valuation, customer service management, you know work whatever it works. Well, there's many many small niches where they're not being served by the information providers that can in fact be served by some of these tech companies. Those that don't have the funding in or don't align themselves with a, a, a strong information provider ultimately are going to have a really cool basket with nothing in it. Yeah, no, it's very interesting because it, it, pretty much what I'm hearing and from what you're saying is that one company needs another in order to survive. It's not just somebody dominating or taking it over, which is is quite interesting if, if that's what you're saying. Exactly, how, exactly. Yeah. How do you see Reese differentiate themselves in a competitive data analytics market? You can comment on that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a good that's a, a great question. Because um, you know when you talk about data providers, information providers, everyone kind of puts them in the same bucket. Uh, I think one of the challenges that the industry professionals um, face is just data overload. I mean, another information system, another set of data. How do I make sense of it? How do I combine it? How do I work with it? And and it's it's not that the information is not out there. It's the time and effort it takes to assemble the information to report on the information and come up with meaningful answers to the questions that the clients are asking. What Reese has built their platform on, and again, initially servicing uh, kind of the top top lenders in the, in the nation, is kind of a quick one-two punch in regards to how does my property perform against this comp group? How does it perform against the, its um, the sub-market? How is it performing against its market? Um, give me those key benchmarks to understand its general performance, and then just a couple of clicks of a button, generate uh, custom market write-ups, whether it's the property level, the sub-market level, the market level. So I think one of the key things that Reese does is it just doesn't provide data, but it actually provides the answers that are being asked by the clients in assembling that in a quick and efficient manner. Quite frankly, you can run a, a, a query in our platform on a given property and with just about four or five clicks generate a, 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 a market report that's 150 pages deep. You can also click one or two clicks and you'll have a three-page write-up that will put the property in the context of its comp group sub-market market with just a couple of clicks if you just need a quick narrative. So that's a key differentiator as, as it relates to Reese versus other information providers that are just providing the data and not providing the answers. The other thing is, is I'm a big believer in um, you know, understanding market trends, market fundamental trends in the context of economic and demographic data has that hap- has that changed over time, and every you know every one of the cycles um, that we've seen over the last you know the last four market cycles are we're all different in some way, shape, or form. There's a relationship between echo demo data uh, and market fundamentals, and the only way a, a provider or analytics provider or um, like like Reese or anyone else can actually speak to and draw conclusions from the data is if they've actually been tracking the data for an extended period of time. The, the, the last, obviously, the last ramp up since 2008, you know, people's like scratching their heads. This is, you know, we're going on 10 years here. What's going on? Uh, the prior cycle is different. The prior cycle is different. So I think another area is understanding um, industry, you know, basically market trends over multiple cycles. And, and again, that's, it, it, Reese has been doing it since 1980. And it's, you can't just start up tomorrow, an operation tomorrow, and say, okay, we're going to provide historical data. If you're not building it from day one based off of the same fundamental data collection methodologies across sectors, then you're just not going to have that component. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are some professionals that, that that have the opinion that historical data is, is, I don't want to say worthless, but it's not as critical as current data. 
And I, 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 I think that's a, a good point. I mean, obviously, if on, a, on a scale of kind of importance, right, obviously what's available today, what's the comp groups today relative to rent comps, sales comps, and that's what Reese delivers as well is, you know, what's my immediate competition look like? How do I immediately value this property? That said, turning points, right, I mean, Michael Colchino, who's the president of Stavos Studley, his his, his the thing that he taught me when I was there is that, you know, the money is made in the turning points in this industry, anticipating the turning points. You know, how long a lease do I sign if I'm, if I, if I'm, a, if I got a year's left worth of a up, uptick? Or at what point do I buy if, if the market's going down? And how long is it going to be declining? So understanding the length of cycles, what causes cycles and what some of the indicators as it relates to the direction of things are critical. So, you know, if I'm going to hold, for five years or two years, if I'm going to do a ten-year lease and lock in my rent versus a short term, so it's 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 definitely secondary to what's now, what's the opportunity I'm looking at now. But once you've identified the opportunity, whether it's a lease or whether it's a building to purchase, understanding the market dynamics um, related to that property to figure out the strategy uh, going forward is critical. So you mentioned that lease, and I'm assuming that. Lease has been around for what, 38 years? Yep, since the early 1980s. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you said they, they, the company started in the in the financial space, dealing with lenders. Who who today is really the value that, or who can get the most value out of Reese today? I'm assuming it goes way beyond lenders, just based on what you're saying. Yes, I mean it actually started with lenders. I mean, because the way it works is, as lenders and underwriters, they would obviously evaluate a particular asset to loan on, and there's a, it, it, the 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 book, so to speak, required kind of a stamp of approval, right? And historically, dating back to the 90s, including a Reese report into that uh, that that um, origination uh, package was a was a required component. So as a result, you know, we've seen us, we're, we're actually servicing about 90% of the top 50 lenders nationally. Um, then, then, then the next logical step was those that are obviously underwriting, but also the portfolio managers um, that are managing entire, um, you know, um, whether it's a, a lender portfolio or, at, or on the equity side. How are my assets in the various markets performing relative to the submarket market? Should I be in an apartment in Boston? Should I be in office in Houston? You know, those types of questions. Um, and then also applies to asset managers, property managers to a certain degree. Um, but then the most logical is that if lenders and non, non-bank lenders are evaluating whether or not they're going to make a given loan on a property, it's only logical that the buyers or investor community or even the selling community also be looking through the same set of glasses as it relates to evaluating the market, evaluate the comp group, sub-market, things like that. So it rolls into the buyers and investors. Valuation experts is a, is a logical tie-in and appraisers um, where they need to obviously put, put a value on it based off of the various approaches um, to valuation, and we support all of those approaches. And last but not least, um, brokerage and real estate advisors who historically have used kind of listing services and things like that. It, it, the, the, many have recognized the fact that to compete in this day and age, they need to up their game. They need to meet client expectations, and ultimately, the the the, the minimal increased cost related to adding a a Reese type platform uh, onto their their portfolio of information services becomes a somewhat of a no brainer in order to uh, to compete with um to compete in the market and and you know be in business in the years to come. Well, that's that's great, great great overview. I 
I, I think based on our audience that are going to be listening is very diverse. We've got we've got as you mentioned, kind of asset managers to brokers to owners to everything in between listening to this this podcast. So, but give us a give us an example. Let's say in the brokerage community, how can the brokers really take advantage of the, the Reese platform of services and maybe even get more specific and just say investment sales? Good, uh, good question. Um, so. One of as a user of Receive when I was at Savile Studley, one of the one of the biggest time sucks, so to speak, was um supporting in the entire investment sales, for example, supporting and drafting um offer memorandum, right? Um typically there's a, a plethora of data about the subject property that's being marketed. Um, you know, from rent rolls, you name it, it's there. Uh, but putting that opportunity uh, in context to the submarket market and where the, where the trends are in that market, that becomes a challenge. But the other, other challenge is simply doing the write-up. In other words, just, just pe- putting pen to paper and saying, I got all this data. Now I need to explain what's happening. Um, so that's one area. We have a, we have a report that, 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 um, that Reese just developed. Um, historically, we generate market-level narratives and sub-market-level narrative, narratives. But now we've developed a, an ability for a user to uh, select the specific rent comps um, and sales comps associated with the property, uh, also benchmark that property to the submarket market, and with just a couple of clicks generate a, a rather comprehensive you know, three-page narrative write-up that basically puts it all it's, – it's somewhat of an automated um, type of a – there's a technology involved. But essentially it writes the report for you and, and, and explains all the transitions, um, all the trends, the directions of things, as well as um, works in economic and demographic trends. So that's one area as far as, you know, generating offer memorandum and the like. The other thing, actually using the same tool, I kind of think of business development, um, you know, the last thing you would do, time being at a, at a, at a, at a premium, is, that, is doing too much research on a given prospect's property. Um, and, you know, you're just not going to do it unless you know that it's worth your time to do it and, you're, and you have a good chance of winning the deal. That said, some of the tools that we have that are literally, you know, you can do generate very comprehensive reports with in a matter of you know three to five minutes. You could be you could be using these as best business development teasers. You know, um, this is the type of market knowledge that we have. This is what we know about your property. This is know about your submarket. So you could literally use our data on a, a on a volume basis to kind of ping or touch potential prospects on a new business side. And then and then obviously the other part is is how you know where are the cycles? Where's the turning point? How much how much more um, runway do we have on um, on rents increasing? You know, do we re- what, to what extent year over year have we seen incre- uh, rental rate increases? Um, and then and then in the context to maybe office employment, if it's an office property, you know, what's the relationship there? All of the all the components that are going to determine whether or not this is a you know a two year flip or or a ten year hold or whatever the case may be. So it, it goes, but the most logical is supporting reporting, offering memorandum, business development. And then, and then digging deeper is to analyze exactly, you know, what's what's the strategy for the asset. Well, and I think you kind of covered the point which you brought up earlier about brokerage sizes, even within NAI or or other firms outside. There's there's the firm size. They don't. Some firms don't have the department to be able to handle that capability. Either they don't have the budget to to hire personnel or or their structure just doesn't warrant it. So 
from what I'm hearing is is Reese could be that that fill in the gap and save them time, money, and and resources. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, the, the challenge is this: is you have, you know, with you you there are there are information providers and technology platforms that serve niches in this space. So you have those that track sales comp data and provide cap rates like RCA. You have others that track space available like CoStar. You have you have you have economic and demographic providers like Moody's Analytics that provides you know the trends and the you know and the BLS data that 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 you that's supposed to determine the demand and all those things. And these are all of these different services that to your point, if you don't have one the budget to spend on all of them and two a centralized uh specialist to assemble it and pull it together, analyze it and, and provide the answers then you're challenged. The beautiful thing about Reese is we've actually pulled all those pieces together, all the critical pieces from rent comps to sales comps to trends to economic demographic data and then rolling it all up in the narrative. So you don't even require – I mean, granted, I'm a big believer in research. I ran a research department. But I think researchers can be doing other things than just calling and verifying availabilities or or or, or combining Excel spreadsheets. Um, they can be put to use in a lot better ways. And – so Reese has really developed a platform that that the end user, the broker, the broker analyst, um, you name it, the asset manager, whatever the case may be, can run these reports with just a few clicks. Incredibly simple, and it's pulling together all of the components and all the data that's that's really relied on by the industry. Interesting, and 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 that's kind of the important point is all right. If in a in a firm size, be it a a ten person firm. Sometimes the top producer is also the owner. So now it's a matter of efficiency that, that you kind of touched on, which I think is a great point. Unfortunately, we're out of time, Steve. So, okay. And, All right. And, and I feel like we're 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 getting into to some real deep discussions here, which I I love to have you back at some point to kind of keep keep diving into it and keep discussing certain points and, 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 and driving a little bit deeper. But I want to thank you for taking the time today to speak to us, speak to the audience about your space, which I think is rapidly changing. And and if you're if you're not implementing or integrating any of these or, or learning more about them, then you're going to be left behind. That being said, what's the best way if our audience is, is curious to kind of pick your brain a little bit further and learn more about you and the background and the services? Um, they can again. They can contact me directly. Um, again, I run all new business sales and API data sales for Reese. Um, they can contact me at email address Steve uh, period Couts C O U T T S at Reese dot com. That's Steve period Couts at Reese dot com. And they're also welcome to uh, call me directly two one two nine two one eleven twenty two. My extension is two three one. And I'd be glad to speak with anybody in regards to. Um, how we might be able to assist them, and then if appropriate, um, refer them to one of our team who can walk them through and give them a customized demonstration of our services. Perfect, Steve. Thanks again. And if you'd like to find out more about becoming a new office with NAI Global, please email us at help at naiglobal.com or call us at 609-945-4047. Thank you for listening. 